Welcome to Lunar Magic Tea Time, where we will be talking about all things magical, mystical, metaphysical, and sometimes even a little mundane. We will be your host in this magical adventure. I am Nancy. And I'm Kristen. And this is Season 1, Episode 2, which is Tool. This episode is about tools for the witch and the meaning and uses. Tools in witchcraft will vary depending on your path and your tradition. In Wicca, as an example, there's a very prescribed way to set up your altar and very specific tools that you should be using during specific ritual practices. While a solitary eclectic witch may only use a wand or may use nothing at all. The key to tools in witchcraft is that they are helping us focus our intention and connect us to those rituals, spells, etc. that we create in our witchcraft. So let's quickly go through some of those tools of witchcraftery and what they may symbolize and may be used for. Our first tool is the altar. So an altar is anything from an elaborate cabinet to a small portable style, um, anything from a huge wall down to, I've seen Altoid tin altars that are just magnificent. But the key to an altar is it's your sacred space, Once you, one that you have consecrated to your needs specifically. Some altars require things to be in a specific place on that altar space. If you were helping someone set up a new altar, what are, the same, what are the, some of the main components you would want them to have? The first and most important thing to have in, to have for an altar space is space. That's going to be critical. A space dedicated specifically to the sacred, whatever that is for you. Um, but then I always suggest to new witches, add things that mean something to you. If your altar is just a general use altar, maybe a sacred, a special incense holder, if that's something important to you, or a picture of your deity, or something to represent the elements. Can you explain the elements that are represented in an altar? It can range from the actual elements, fire, water, air, earth, and spirit, or um, some altars are dedicated just to deities, so that would be something to bring into it. Um, Some altars are dedicated to specific purposes, and you can bring in elements to represent those purposes. But altars, like the actual elements represented in an altar, most nature altars have all five elements. A Wiccan altar will have all five elements. Interesting. I remember when I was setting up my uh, altar and I struggled over what I should use for air. And someone told me, use a feather. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go over to the beach. And I was doing some meditation and spread it out my blanket and I'm really funny about rocks or anything being there as I made sure the whole area was clear and so I'm reading and then I'm packing away my stuff and I turn to the right and there is a feather a white feather sticking straight up in the ground 
Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I've got to mention is when I was meditating, I was saying, please bring me a feather. So um, that was one of the things that kind of shocked me. And when I really first started getting into, wow, there really is something to this magic. Um, is the location of an altar important? I've seen something where people, north, west, east, south. It depends on your tradi- tradition. Excuse me. And so in a classical Wiccan setup, I believe it needs to face north. I am not Wiccan, so I, I may be, it may be east. It's either north or east. It's one of those two. Um, if you're following a, uh, a specific deity, they may have a, a a way, a direction, mm-hmm. sorry, that it needs to face. Um, I know if you are big into uh, feng shui, mm. it would, you would want it to face a prosperous direction, which I believe is east. Do the direction, or the north, south, east, west, does that um, tie into elements? Like yes. Like north? Yes, and I will not remember okay. off the top of my head Just what they are. <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll do that on the next show when we get more. Into yeah, this. there there will be an elemental episode for sure where we will break down what directions go with what element, what colors go with what element, all of that. Another thing I did when I first started setting up my altar is I was very into crystals. Um, I didn't do any research of what crystals are supposed to do what. I just pick up something that I like. I like that you say that like it's in the past tense and not. Oh, no, it hasn't changed. (laughs) I still drive everybody crazy. There's a crystal show. No, off I go. Um, So I thought it might be fun to kind of analyze what I did pick out and maybe some of the meetings. So maybe you can help me with this. Um, I just picked four of the big ones, the ones that I have to have everywhere. And the first one was amethyst. Okay, so amethyst is always good to have around you as a witch. Just not even just on your altar, just everywhere just bathe in it it's awesome it is very protective it is very grounding it is very loving it is very gentle and it also for a lot of witches that I've worked with is a boosting you add it to your environment to boost whatever it is you want that environment to be Um, it helps you it is very closely related to your third eye so it's going to open up all of that um so it's connecting you to that higher source because it's it's building the bridge between your third eye and your higher source interesting uh the second one was rose quartz oh i love rose quartz that's another one it's not a booster but it's another one you should have just if you're into crystals at all go find some rose quartz it is all about love in my opinion, it it's a positive. It brings a positive energy into your space. It brings a loving kindness into your space. People will often mistake the loving vibrations of a rose quartz for romantic love, mm-hmm. but in my experience, it's almost exclusively self love. Oh, it can be used for ro- romantic things. Don't it yeah. can, but it it really wants to teach you how to love yourself exactly which is very important uh the third one is moonstones which i just can't get enough of anymore 
Oh my gosh, you you and your your moonstones. I do. Yeah, it's a thing in the moon. Yes, so moonstone is great for enhancing your intuition. If you're connected to the moon at all, or if you work with a moon deity, you're gonna want some moonstones. It's a very excellent representation of, um, in my opinion, uh, the water element mm. in crystals. Makes sense. Um, but not always. Um, a lot of times it's used for good fortune and success and, and things like that, in part because it just looks decadent. Oh. It is a beautiful stone. Oh. And the last one, last one is selenite. Okay, so selenite, ironically, is more connected to the moon than moonstone. In in my experience, everything I tell you is in my experience. Exactly. Um, it should be. So, um, but selenite, oh, oh, selenite. You pick up a good piece of selenite and you just feel better. It's, it's chicken soup for the soul. Um, it's healing. It's protective. It's cleansing. Um, one word of caution, if you go to buy selenite selenite does not like water mm. it is absolutely an air elemental thing and it will literally just kind of melt mm. so no water physically cleansing. like really <laughs> physically melt in water so if you need to cleanse and charge your selenite do so in the full moon or very 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 carefully in a salt in a salt so, tub just just, just a, a bowl with salt in it no water mm -hmm. no nothing else because it is a very fragile. That's interesting um, you say that. I don't know if you remember um, the first time I got a piece of selenite. It was kind of a spiral. What would you call that? Is that a special name for that? It was just kind of a spiral, maybe four or five inches long. I'm sure that there, I think it's just this, called a selenite spiral. I okay. don't, a wand, it was a wand. Yeah, so um, I had it on my nightstand uh, next to my bed and it just disappeared and I'm like what the heck did it roll so I looked everywhere and I finally like forgot it two months later we come into summer I open up my windows and there it is on the windowsill all by itself can't make this stuff up if you if if you uh, are a fan of crystals and things like that there's loads and loads of Facebook groups and in almost every Facebook group I've been in somebody will go my crystals left I don't know I lost this crystal what does that mean what does if you if you misplace a crystal it's either going to cleanse itself and recharging itself or it's decided that the work it needs to do with you is done and it's moving on um. Why is it important to cleanse an altar? This is something I didn't even know about it till I started researching. Of course, I cleanse my crystals. We just talked about that every full moon, but I never thought to cleanse the whole altar. Well, like any physical space, it attracts dust, and and that dust isn't just physical dust, and it's metaphysical dust. You, your altar is your workspace for most practitioners. So when you're, when you're putting that energy, because, you know, a witch's work is energy work. And when you are putting that energy into that space, even if you're expecting that energy to go out, um, you know, you can't have a dog walk through your house and not expect to have dog hairs, exactly. even if it's just a walk through, you know. Um, it's it's literally the same thing. You're you're cleansing the metaphysical gunk. You're keeping the energy to be focused on what you want, and you're continually consecrating 
the space to either yourself, your work, or your deity, or all three. Okay, um, one last thing. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a couple examples of different types of altars? Well, can I ask you to clarify what you mean? Like, like ancestral or... Okay, so, um, well, I'll tell you the three types that I have working in my house right now. Perfect. How about that? I have my big general altar, which is an old Hoosier cabinet that I inherited. So it has a family tie to it, but it is literally packed to the gills with candles, herbs, crystals, etc. And the, the metal top is where I work my daily spells. Okay. Um, I have an ancestor altar, which is a table and a tiny shelf above that table. On the table, I have photos of my ancestors and a few things that either they left me or that I know they liked. And on the shelf above are their offerings. So the their food and drink, uh, cigarettes for my mom. <laughs> yeah, right. I see that. Right, um, things like that. Um, and then I have my shoebox altar, which is literally, <laughs> Literally, it is an altar made out of a shoebox uh, for a specific deity who very specifically requested that I make this altar, decorate it to her specifications, wow. and then put her statue in it because she likes to be private. She is a private deity. And so those are three types of altars I have functioning in my so I have the general altar an ancestor altar and a specific deity altar and then you also have a travel altar that you take I, with you places oh, I forgot. yeah I haven't left town for forever I just thought, because that's like. a, um, yeah. interesting so I thought maybe you can just give us a real quick well, description my travel altar is um it's not quite eight and a half by 11 a little like basically it's a cigar box that I have in it I have um a picture of my deity, my main deity that I work with. I work with Morrigan. Um, I have candles, some incense, some coins. I always have coins just because you never know when you're going to need them. I mean, technically, my ghost hunting kit is an altar because I always have yeah. the offerings and stuff in there. And it is designated sacred workspace. Awesome. Thank you. One thing I found really interesting was that four of our tools represent the four elements. Yes. So the athame represents fire or action. The wand represents air or thought. The pentacle represents earth or your material place. And the chalice represents water or your emotions. Okay, let's start with athame. So an athame is basically your sacred knife. Now, in some traditions, this, this knife has very specific requirements. I know that in Wicca, there's rules about the handle and, and exactly how sharp it's supposed to be. So do your research about what your path is or what paths you are interested in before you purchase your athame. These things can be very expensive, and I, and I mean very expensive. Of course, there is an athame for every budget. Um, because I'm not Wicca, I did not have the same sort of requirements to mine. And um, so my sacred knife for years and years and years <laughs> was a pampered chef paring knife. Um, it was what I had on hand. It was what I could afford, and um, it worked. Now, now my sacred knife, because it 
it isn't required to be sharp. It's not cutting physical things. Yeah. It's meant to be uh, meta- symbolic. Symbolic. Or, thank, yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, now my sacred knife is a letter opener that I inherited from my mother. What's the main use for uh, Athene? So typically they're used to uh, cut, uh, symbolically cut cords, cut doors into uh, time and space. Um, I, I have heard stories I, and I don't, you know, I don't know, because again, I don't follow that practice, but uh, I've heard stories where they're used to cut um, spirits oh interesting um but it's it's also used to mark sacred space things like that okay the next tool is a wand a wand was the first thing that i actually made made my own wand um i still not i don't think i make full use of them right now i feel like it's more of a decoration and occasionally i'll pick it up but um what are some of the uses for a wand so a wand is anything to help direct intention and to help move energy. Uh, any uh, One of the images uh, that people recognize from tarot is the image of the magician standing at the altar with his arm upraised uh, and the wand in that arm directing energy to the altar. That's kind of what it does. It's directing mm-hmm. energy. They can be used to mark sacred spaces if you're not one to use a, a knife. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I'd feel more comfortable with a wand. So a wand can do all of the things an, an, an athme can. Oh, okay. Um, absolutely, yeah. They can be made of anything. Um, I personally have several that are made from anything from copper and crystal, driftwood and shells, my big old oak one with the iron nails. <laughs> That's terrible. So it's heavy. Um, it's, it's a lot, yeah. Um, a feather could be a wand. Mm-hmm. Um, just an extension of your... I was talking to someone today who just uses, she's a nature witch, and whatever she's, you know, whenever she's out that day, if there's a stick nearby or a flower, she's used a flower. And Can you give us just a little bit of information on that? That's going to be something um, we're definitely going to get into, too, in a uh, future episode because there's a lot um, of, of wood tree lore that is really fascinating and wonderful. And, you know, as I'm going to take a sidebar here and okay. just say, you know, hey, as a witch, research everything. Um, look into myths and legends and lores and things like that because you're going to find pieces that you're going to add to your practice that then, are really important. Um, the whole Celtic, the it, trees are the very... tree. The year, the year of trees. Yeah. Yes, or yes. Oak with strength ash protection so a lot of that is probably comes for some of those yes uh, a rowan is going to be incredibly powerful awesome. our next tool is the pentacle so a pentacle is usually made of wood or clay and is deeply significant to witches it represents the m- the movement of the elements um, and and there will be um, again there's going to be a future episode that will be on the elemental episode where we really get into the direction and things like that but um each 
point on a pentacle represents a specific element. Interesting. And um, your your pentacle can be made of any material, but it's usually you made of wood or ceramic. Frequently made of something fireproof, depending on how you use it. Um, I've seen some beautiful metal ones. Um, it's used to summon energies and command spirits and, and to also be an extra definition of sacred space. Well, that's another thing I don't have. Um, is this something everyone should have on their altar? Not, or is it just... not every witch is going to resonate with the idea of a pentacle. Um, I, I know a lot of witches who are coming from deeply religious backgrounds and just starting to find their path are going to resist that imagery and that's okay not everything has to go on every altar pick the things that work for you exactly the next tool is the chalice what is the chalice and what is it used for and so am i pronouncing that right it's a chalice chalice I, at least that's how i was told to i don't chalice. you know um but it's an it's, i pair it always with the offering dish so a chalice is a goblet um, okay. frequently brass or crystal or something elegant. Mine is simply my mom's pottery wine glass that she loved with her watered-down iced cheap wine. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, <laughs> but I always pair mine with, so I have a, my pottery chalice and my copper um, offering dish. It's the one you got me with the yeah, the, the moons. Mm-hmm. Um those are my offering pieces. And so what I do is I put the wine or the milk and honey, depending on who I'm feeding, um, in the in the goblet. And I put the food, which, again, is going to depend on who I'm feeding, into the copper bowl. And I set those where either on my main altar or on my ancestor altar. Again, place them where they need to go. So, okay, um, So... Since I always think the fairies are taking my stuff and then they put it back. Um, what I know you've told me, but can you tell our uh, audience what you would do if you think fairies are being mischievous and taking my rings? So it's important to note that both Nancy and I are from very Celtic traditions. Nancy is Irish. I am Scottish. Uh, in our households growing up, we, we just knew these myths and legends because they're just literally in our blood. Yeah. Um, and the fae play a huge role in Irish paths and in Celtic paths. So um, that's why we talk about them so much as we both work with them. They're both around us all the time. If you think the Fae are messing with you, don't mess back ever. Mess with the Fae. (laughs) And, And if you think they're stealing your stuff, leave out a dish of milk and honey and bread and all to, I just do it all together, and I leave it out overnight. Um, and then in the morning, it's, you know, when I do my morning walkthrough of waking everybody up and all of that, I just take the the bowl of stuff, and I dump it outside in my um, compost heap. Oh, great. And that's it. Usually, usually my stuff comes back pretty quickly, but. They like to mess with me. Of course, I'm not very good at the offerings. I kind of more like make a deal. Like, listen, that's my favorite ring. Here's a ring you can have. Please put that ring back. And, you know, it's always, it works. it's always good if you feel like the Fae are messing with you to leave something shiny in exchange. Yes. Be- 
you know, like because it's typically not like big bad scary fae. It's usually brownies or some pixies. Mischievous is more. Yeah, pixies. Pixies. Awesome. Our next tool is the bell. The bell is something also I do not have, but you know, after doing this research for this episode, I really think it's going to be my next purchase. One thing I found really interesting was about selecting a bell, paying attention to the physical sensations you're feeling when you pick it up, ring the bell to see if you feel your energy change. Um, so to me, it's kind of like a pendulum. You just finding the right bell seems to be very important. So go back to this. What um, is a bell used for? So bells are really great for cleansing and for summoning. Um, you can cleanse your space just by ringing your bell through the space that you're in. You can ring the bell over certain crystals and things to align those vibrations. Um, I, a bell calls you to service. Uh, you know, you've like got the like bell. <laughs> the dinner bell or the church bell on Sundays mm -hmm. or, um, you know, yeah, the, yeah, things like that. Um, it helps signify the start and the end of a ritual. It can help signify um, a banishing. Um, oh, yeah. Um, you can hang them on a front door to ward off evil spirits. Um which is from my understanding based on what my mother who would swear to you um that she was not ever a witch but uh sherma acknowledged yeah. um, <clears throat> <I> wish <laughs> she she had gone to vermont on a very important to her sort of spiritual journey and she came home with sleigh bells that she hung on her back door oh, wow. and so uh they always signified when someone was coming or going um, in her home um, and because of where she lived and and how she lived they frequently told her oh oh time to go hide so-and-so is here um, <laughs> Makes sense. yes um, and we used those very same bells to protect her as a form of protection when she was passing away um, mm -hmm. to make every time she'd move too aggressively in the hospital bed we would hear the, the those sleigh bells oh wow. and so really so protection yeah. <laughs> just not always protection isn't always a, a metaphysical thing sometimes the protection that we're working as witches are, are very very real protections yeah everything has double meanings mm-hmm exactly Exactly. The next tool is a besom or a broom. So a broom is exactly what you think. It is a traditional witch's broom. You uh, use it in ritual to cleanse and purify. Uh, high priestesses or high priests or whomever, whomever, will be sweeping away any negative energy uh, in the ritual area before casting the circle. Um, they've been used for protection for many, many people. Um, there's the obvious connotations with the image of the witch flying on her broomstick. Yeah, I was reading an interesting article about that. They were saying that they thought that the witch was really doing astral travel and that people that were sensitive could pick up on that 
not the physical body, but the, what would you call it, the spirit or the spirit just astral bo- the, spirit, the spirit body, yeah. yeah. And that makes perfect sense to me because when you look at, at uh, traditional recipes for things like flying ointment, they're very heavy on the psychic herbs and the, 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 the herbs to boost your psychic abilities or your abilities to do things like astral travel. And, and so that makes perfect sense to me. Um, what is the meaning of jumping the broom? So in my research, jumping the broom is part of either A, a traditional African ceremony, wedding ceremony, or B, part of a traditional pagan ceremony. Um, in both versions, the bride and groom jump the, jump the broom as a symbolic way of cutting ties with their past single, wild, quote, dirty life and sweeping sweeping that away and bringing in the clean, healthy living of a married life. Oh, interesting. Um, my daughter did the hand fasting of the tying of the ribbon mm-hmm. for their wedding, which um, it's funny because her husband is German, but he wanted to have a Celtic T- um, ritual for Katie for the that's a good one. The wedding. So um, unfortunately, they thought the priest or not the minister was going to provide the ribbon. And so it was a virtual ribbon. <laughs> Which but, um, the meaning was still there. The intention is there. That's all that ever matters. But generally speaking, a, a broom is meant to sweep away the negativity um, and is used for cleansings, etc. cetera. Uh, besoms can be regular kitchen brooms as long as you designate it just for the purpose of ritual use. Okay. Um, mine is a big, beautiful thing made for me. Um, but we we have a small, a tiny little besom for our tiny little witch. Oh, yeah. that is cool. Um, I know, maybe you can give us a little information. I know your husband, mm-hmm. when he was living out of town. Oh, right. There was a lot of negativity oh, right. and... So that's another thing you can do. Uh, he used his besom because that's what he had. So you could use other things. But he, he was working in a incredible, toxic. Oh God, <laughs> an incredibly toxic, toxic environment where he was, and he had evidence that his boss was actually psychically attacking him. Mm-hmm. And uh, to help prevent that, he would ritually every night before he went to bed, would seal his door with he would give it a quick wash with uh, Florida water um, and then he would lay his besom across the door and it had to be very specifically pointing the I can't for the life of me remember which direction it was but it it I couldn't do it for him he had to do it himself because it was a ritualized protection spell that he did every night yeah that's awesome the next tool is the cauldron. A cauldron is is exactly what you picture. It's a large, fireproof something that you can burn things in, you can cook things in. Mine is actually a an actual cast iron cauldron that you would hang above a campfire. It's got the three little stubby little legs. Awesome. And you can hang it above, you know, hang it. I don't. I set it on my okay. altar or out back, whatever. I got mine at Target. I did not pay more than $25 for it. I know right now, as of this recording, 
um, they have their camp line. So you could go to a sporting goods store and buy a a pot Mm -hmm. that has a lid or whatever. As long as it is a fireproof. Yes, that's important. Yes, because the key with a cauldron, the cauldron is where you're lighting things on fire. You're going to burn spells in it. You're going to cook potions in it if that's your jam. Like, you want it to be durable and fireproof. One reason that um, cast iron kind of became the tradition is iron repels fairies. That's probably a good thing. So, but plus, if you... Dual purpose. Plus, you know, if you're eating anything that you've cooked in your cauldron, you're getting extra iron in your system, and we could all use a little of that. That is true. Okay, what is the best spell you ever did in your cauldron? So I think the most useful is I tend to make a lot of black salt all at once, and so I just take those call those um, charcoal discs mm-hmm. that you use to do loose incense. Okay. Um, I just take those. I line the bottom of my cauldron with those. I light them all on fire, and I just dump tons of herbs and spices and on there, and I cook just a big batch so that I have this giant batch of ash awesome that you can use in black salt that i can use in black salt so and i use black salt a lot to create my magic circles and to create the barrier to my keep shadow figures out of my house keep nasties away from yeah whatever since always having to make me black salt and the last tool is book of shadows a book of shadows or your grimoire is very handy you can purchase many forms and many variations. I, I collect witches, witchy books, and I think I have five or six grimoires. A grimoire or book of shadows is basically where you're keeping your list of spells, your list of concordances. What what element does what? What herb does what? And you're a keeping witch's recipe book. Yeah, you're keeping your basic information. In one place, so you can just turn to it and go, okay, well, today I need a protection spell, but I don't want to do a big, huge casting. What herbs can I bring with me today? Awesome. So it's, it's where you're going to keep your your basic witchy information. A lot of witches use theirs as a journal. I cast this spell on this day. I'm going to go back in three months and analyze the results. Kind of, yeah. The results. yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So you go back and they can update because you know, sometimes we cast a spell and we don't know the end of the end result or, exactly. you know, but you sometimes we it. do. Yeah. yeah. Two months um, later, you're like, oh, yeah, I did do that. Oh, and then, hey, and because magic isn't always a straight path, it's a, it's not always I want this thing to happen mm-hmm. and it's going to happen in exactly this way. Frequently, it is I want this thing to happen. And the universe goes, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to mess with you a little bit first. So, um, <clears throat> so um, it's probably a great way to see your growth as a witch. What is the first spell you ever recorded? That I ever remember recording yeah. is probably the Bay Leaf Witch Wish spell. It's one of my favorites. Very simple. Very, very simple. Um, it's currently, I think, the second spell in my rewrite of my grimoire as I'm redesigning how I 
use my book of shadows. Yeah. Um, yeah. And last but not least, um, it's not a tool per se, but let's talk a little bit about supplies and ingredients. So witches will use anything and everything at their disposal, period. It's just how we are. Very resourceful, we seem to be. But typically, witches gather around a specific set of supplies, like candles. Use candles in spells consistently. You use candle bits and pieces for various projects. Uh, the candles was one of the first spells that I actually did on my own. Oh, yeah? Which what, which spell was it? It was um, when our friend's mom was sick. I did oh. a, a spell for... Um, for her. For her. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And then I did the research for the, I forget what color I used, but I used, and that candle burned very, very fast. It was those small pillars yeah. I had, like it went down fast. So wow. that was interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, candles are great because they can designate sacred space and you can just, you know, who doesn't love a good candle? Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> salt. And there's a ton of different salts. There's a ton of different recipes out there. If you get into it, like, there's a million. I use a lot of black salt, which is just, um, it depends on who you talk to and which recipe and which path people are taking. But my black salt is just ashes from spells or from my daily incense or whatever mixed with regular old Morton's cheap salt. I mean, I get big bags of salt from the um, Asian grocery store for dirt cheap and use that. Um, Every house could use some black salt, yeah. especially when they're haunted like mine. Yes. And then also salt, um, you talked a little bit already about cleansing. Salt is an amazing cleanser. You, you can set fragile things in it. You can make salt water and wash things clean with it salt isn't amazing you know in sports medicine you take a bath in epsom salts to help your muscles and really it's that's just a different form of magic mm -hmm. hate to break it to you yeah people don't want to admit it <laughs> um herbs of course are always good herbs all have different meanings and different uses and um i like to grow a lot of my own um no witch uh, herbs crystals things like that and we'll have episodes on on candle magic and herbal magic and crystal mm -hmm. magic. The That's going to be several episodes, I'm sure. Jars. I do not know a single witch who says, I have enough jars. I'm good on jars. <laughs> <laughs> no more jars. We're done. Because here's the, here's the thing. You're going to need them to store your herbs. You're going to need them to store your some of your crystals, maybe. Or I, I have... I think four jars right now full of seashells yep. for a different thing. Um, I have jars of different waters because I have waters that I've blessed in different situations. I have my blessed, I have eclipse water. I have. Oh, wow. Remember Florida that? Water. Oh, yeah. They, no, yeah. My floor, I buy my Florida water. Okay. It, it's easier because yeah. um, <laughs> it's a complicated recipe and I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> I. I have different moon phase water that I've blessed and set in my altar for specific washings, et cetera. Um, what else do I have jars full of right now? Um, if you're a witch who likes to hex, 
you're going to want jars to stick people in. If you're a witch who it likes protection, a witch's jar. My meaning. Yep. Witch's <laughs> jars. Yep. I have a witch's jar outside my door because, as we've talked about in the past, my ghosts don't follow the rules sometimes. No. Follow the rules. Not allowed to come in my room. And I'm sleeping, not allowed to sit on the bed. So, and one time the witch's jar got moved. Yeah, I, that that, that trips me off. That yeah. that one, that story. Tell that story. Yeah, it actually. Um, I kept it outside the door. Um, my bedroom is at the end of a hallway, and it'd been there months. Months. In fact, you had even made me a new one because you thought maybe it was yeah. like needed to be recharged or whatever. So um, it was, wasn't too long after you made me a new one, I pass it every day, and I'm like, where is the witch's jar? It was gone, and then it showed up that, later on. That is, yeah. That, yeah. I'm like, mm, you shouldn't be able to do that. Um, so essential oils. Uh, you can you use... I like essential oils because you can use them to make your own oil blends for dressing candles or blessing humans or, you know, whatever. Now, when you get into essential oils, it can get expensive. Some of them are not cheap. Um, There's usually good substitutes and um, good websites will tell you, good witchy websites will tell you which ones you can substitute. Um, But there's some basics that you should just have on hand and there you know we'll talk about those later but I always tell everybody you know hey what are some good ones to have on hand eucalyptus why because it helps you breathe yeah. <laughs> rosemary Again, the, 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 double. <laughs> the double thing uh, rosemary is a protective herb spiritually mm-hmm. um, a lot of witches will like my walkway has two giant rosemary bushes on either side of it as a protection to the front of my house. Um, But rosemary essential oil also is antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal. I recently had a cold and was mixing it with um, a little bit of just Vaseline Mm -hmm. and rubbing, making my own, effectively making my own Vicks Vapo rub. And I just use coconut oil, my cooking coconut oil. I I think it's in the kitchen, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've seen my kitchen right now, though? Yeah, she's remodeling. So, uh, fabrics, doodads, buttons, buttons. Oh, oh, oh. And I didn't... Nails. Oh, yeah, we didn't touch on nails. Save, so... And bend them. Pins, needles, you know, if you... Mirrors. I buy mirrors at, like, the little double-sided compact mirrors. I buy them at the Dollar Tree. Um excellent for karma spells you know there's if there's a household household item i can almost guarantee you there's a magical use for it um i think that's one of the reasons we get this kind of image of the witch's house being just this hoarder's house and it's not terribly far from the truth if if you're a active practitioner casting lots of spells um i thought it was interesting yesterday I had um, I bought a bottle of thieves spray, and um, I was reading. They actually had the the legend or the story about it on the back of the bottle. Can you do you know the I story just, about the? Th- I just read it the other day too. So let's see if our the Stories legends are the same, are the same because okay. it's a legend, which may mean there's forty thousand versions. Exactly. So I read 
that I, literally yesterday I read this yesterday I almost called you <laughs> um <laughs> and that's when I read it whoa um hi guys this is what it's like <laughs> to be a witch um during the plague in Europe uh you know half the population was decimated and um people were starving and hungry and in one town and they never say where but mm-hmm. one town in Europe um the population was was hit very hard, but homes were being stolen from just constantly. Like people were being robbed, terribly, terribly. Um, but they couldn't figure out why the thieves were able to go into the homes of the ill. You know, people are dying from this horrifically contagious disease. Bubonic yeah. plague is not to be messed with, and the thieves were able to go into the home and steal steal everything in the house and get out while people are lying right next to them dying mm-hmm. and never catch it because obviously because they keep stealing so yeah. they're not dying and and so they kept stealing and stealing and so the legend is this is what this is the oil that the thieves put under their nose mm-hmm. or potentially in their plague mask plague doctor mask who knows yeah um but that's the oil that they use to keep the plague away and one of the main ingredients in thieves oil is rosemary exactly so and you you can use it as an antiviral or to yeah. get rid of unwanted spirits. So again, it's the double double purpose everywhere we see. Yep, yep. Okay, that is everything that I think we were going to call for I for think. tools. I think and we did it. Yeah. So thank you for joining us this week on Lunar Magic Tea Time. We hope you were able to get something positive out of this conversation. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook and other social media. Join our Facebook group for the most up-to-date discussions and to find out what topics we will be covering next. You can ask questions for the upcoming episodes in that Facebook group or by email at lunar at lunarmagicteatime.com. Don't forget to leave us a review or to subscribe. And next week, our topic will be cleansing. cleansing.